Antiguo Testamento. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Luego vamos a ir a Primera de Corintios, el capítulo 15. Malachi chapter 3, Malachias capítulo 3. And we're going to begin at verse 14. Verso 14. Malachias capítulo 3. Verso 14. It says, you have said, it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his charge? That we have walked in mourning before the Lord of hosts. So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only are the doers of wickedness built up, but they also test God and escape. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. I will spare them as a son spares, pardon, as a father, uh, or a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Ahora, Primera de Corintios 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. I want to use the subject tonight, this won't be in vain. Can you say amen? Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your word, which is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I ask you to speak to our hearts in the area of each one of our need. And I ask you, Lord, to feed us on the word of God, which is bread for our spirit. Anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God tonight. And I ask that you would anoint this congregation to hear that word and receive it as good seed in the good soil of their hearts. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, puede tomar su lugar. I want to... Uh, bring a simple message as I feel the Lord gave it to me and uh, it is a message for believers who are in the thick of their spiritual walk. Quiero traer un mensaje simple esta noche que creo que el Señor me ha dado para ustedes y es un mensaje para el creyente que está en uh, plena en pleno trabajo y plena obra del Señor. We read in the book of Malachi, and if you read the book of Malachi in its entirety, it's not a long book, it's four short chapters. And several times the Lord brings a charge against the uh, priesthood of Israel. En el libro de Malachias vemos que uh, varias veces en este corto libro, algunas cuatro veces, el Señor trae una, unos cargos en contra de los sacerdotes de Israel. Now the Lord challenges them on, on several things. El Señor los desafía en ciertas uh, formas. He challenges the priests uh, for not treating their spouse right. El uh, desafía a los sacerdotes porque no estaban tratando bien a sus esposas. Uh, 
He also challenges the priests because of the matter of the tithe. También él uh, uh, desafía a los, uh, de, a los sacerdotes concerniendo al diezmo. And uh, he, he uses those uh, words, have you, you have robbed God. Those words we've heard before. Él usa esas palabras, habéis robado a Dios. And now in this particular portion, we read that he challenges them because he says, you have said that it is in vain to serve the Lord and to keep his commandments. Ahora, los desafía esta vez en, el, en el, la porción que hemos leído y dice, ustedes dicen, en vano es servir al Señor. So I want you to notice that who he is challenging in this passage is he's challenging the priesthood of Israel. He's challenging the men of God, the men who serve in the house of God, those men who know best the word of God. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that you and I are a priesthood unto the Lord. Dice la Escritura que usted y yo somos sacerdotes hacia el Señor. Entonces cuando él está hablando en Malaquías a los sacerdotes, está hablando a personas que conocen a Dios, personas que son maduras, personas que sirven en la casa del Señor. And it is uh, perhaps a, a strange thing, and it ought to be a strange thing, for us to hear God's servants saying it's not worth it to serve the Lord. Debe ser algo raro, y es raro oír estas palabras de un siervo de Dios, uh, de un sacerdote, decir, en vano es servir al Señor. But it's important for us to think about those words because the enemy often tempts us who are walking with the Lord in that way. And maybe you have felt the temptation of the enemy to, to think like that. Quizá usted también ha sentido la tentación del enemigo de pensar de esta forma. You look at the work and the labor that you do for God. You look at the time that you've invested, the seed that you've sown, the lives that you have poured into. You look into the amount of time you spend in preparing for the ministry that you do. Maybe tonight your ministry is different than my ministry, but ultimately we're all uh, dedicating ourselves to doing something for God. Maybe when you look at all of that and you sum it all up, you put it on the scale, it seems like you gave a, a whole lot more than you got. Or it seems like that you have invested so much and have withdrawn so little. And so many times the enemy tempts the faithful to say, in vain do we serve the Lord. A veces el enemigo nos tempta a pensar, en vano he servido a Jehová, porque usted ha dado su tiempo, ha dado su dinero, ha dado la inversión de su vida, a, a la vida de alguien más, se ha preparado, a, a, ha sido diligente, ha servido a Dios, y a veces a, llega ese pensamiento, será en vano servir al Señor. I know that around here we have a, a uh, group of volunteers that um, many of you are a part of that. And on one, one particular year, I summed up what it, would, what it meant or what it would cost if we paid every single person who volunteered throughout the year. And, and I realized, as I already knew, that uh, you guys give in the hundreds of thousands of dollars every year in your time and in your effort. If we paid you to serve in the house of God, 
we would, uh, we would need a budget significantly greater than the one that we have. And so you realize that there is a great investment that is made into the kingdom of God. But I don't believe this just deals with those who serve God in, in, the, in the ministry sense. I believe it, it re really deals with anybody that is being faithful to God. Maybe you've prayed a long time. Maybe you've been a person of prayer and commitment to prayer. And then you look around and you see, where are the answers to my prayers? Seems like things are getting worse instead of better. It seems like I'm getting further from my goal than, than I am getting towards the goal. And you say, perhaps it is in vain to pray. Maybe you have invested money into the kingdom of God. You've sown your tithe and your offering, and you've brought it faithfully to God. And you've contributed to the vision offering, and you've been part of missions, and you've invested in every way that you could. And then you look around and you see, Lord, I feel like I'm coming up short. I feel like it is in vain to give unto the Lord. Maybe you have fasted and you have sought the Lord for days on end, sacrificing food and drink and giving yourself to the dedication of the, of the consecration of your life. And then you look around and you see that the enemy steals and, and takes away some of the harvest that you have fasted for. And you say, in vain it is to serve the Lord. But can I tell you tonight that the Apostle Paul was one who above all the people had a right to say those kinds of words. In fact, he writes to the Corinthian church, a church in whom he had invested literally his blood, sweat, and tears. This church was a church that he had given birth to through extreme pain and extreme agony. And he writes to them this letter uh, with, a, with a broken heart because he's hearing about the things that are going on in Corinth. And yet he doesn't say it is in vain to serve the Lord. He doesn't say I never should have come to Corinth to preach to you. He doesn't say I never should have tried to plant a church in that pagan city. But rather he gives us these encouraging words which I want you to think about tonight. He says, Beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Dice el apóstol Pablo a la iglesia a los corintios, hermanos míos, hermanos amados, dice ser uh, inmovibles y permanezcan en el trabajo del Señor. He doesn't say do less. He says do more. Somebody say do more. You know that God's answer is never do less. It's always keep going forward. It's always keep interceding, keep praying, keep giving, keep standing in the gap. Come on, somebody. Keep volunteering, keep serving because your work in the Lord is not in vain. La, la respuesta del Señor nunca es, ah, sí, bueno, mijo, ya no hagas tanto. Él no, su respuesta es, sigue adelante, sigue constante, sigue inmovible, sigue abundando en el trabajo del Señor. Is there anybody in here that's working for the Lord? Is there anybody in here that's serving the Lord? And you know what God says to you tonight? Keep abounding in the work of the Lord. Because your work and your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Tu obra y tu trabajo en el Señor no es 
en vano. I know some of you that come to church at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning in order to get the worship team ready. You might think, oh, it's in vain to get up this early. But friends, don't give up. You keep, keep doing what you do because your work in the Lord is not in vain. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the fact that you and I are not wasting our time serving God. The priest said it is in vain to serve the Lord. Why did they say that? They said because we do what God says and the, he the heathen doesn't. The pagan doesn't. And yet they are getting away with it. And they are escaping from the judgment of God. And it seems like we would just live like them and we would be all right. But you see, friends, that you cannot judge God's faithfulness just by today. God has called you to a long race. This is a long run. And you can't judge the circumstances or your success by where you are Today, you have to realize that you are not done yet. And at the end of the day, God is going to balance the books. And he is going to reward each man according to his labor. And God says to the children of Israel, he says to the priests, he says, A day will come when the world will know who are the righteous and who are the unrighteous. The day will come when the world will know who are the ones who knew how to pray and who are the ones who shunned prayer. The world will know who are the ones who invested in the kingdom of God and who are the ones who shunned investing in the kingdom of God. The world will know who it was that got up and did the work of the Lord and who it was that did not uh, or shunned doing the work of the Lord because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Say amen, somebody. Now, this word vain, it literally means uh, of no spiritual value. Paul says, our work and labor in the Lord is not spiritually void or valueless. In fact, what he's telling us is that, as we said this morning, our work and labor in the Lord has a spiritual value that is far greater than the natural value. You see, if a man goes to deliver a speech, and uh, he happens to be a man who gets paid well for doing that, sometimes former presidents are in that category, they might get paid as much as $150,000 for one speech. That's a whole lot of money for some words. Say amen, somebody. But do you realize that that's the natural recompense? In the spiritual realm, the moment his words leave his mouth, they fall on the ground and die. They have no power. They have no eternal significance. But if another man goes to a pulpit and opens the word of God, speaks for the same length of time, and doesn't get $150,000, he might not even get $50 as an offering. But when those words come out of his mouth, they have spiritual power, and they can change somebody's life for all eternity. Come on, somebody. Your work and labor in the Lord. Lord is not in vain. It just, it just depends on what value system you are operating under. It depends on what value you are giving. And there is great spiritual value. Paul says that the work and labor that we do for God is not without spiritual value. 
Now there is a passage in the book of Isaiah. I believe it's chapter 26 where Isaiah says, We have come to give birth, but have given birth to nothing. He's, he's re relating to the fact that often it feels like that we go through labor. And labor is an exhausting and painful process. And yet, he says, it seems as though the labor has been in vain. That nothing has been re the result of this intense labor. And yet, God says, not so. For in the spirit, there is great gain. In the spirit, there is great worth to the, and great value to those who labor for the Lord. Now, friends, when you labor for the natural, you are laboring in vain. Literally, you and I can work a whole life to build a house. But when, when we die, that house is staying here. All right? So uh, in, the, in the value system of eternity, that house is in vain. It's good to have a good house for the years that we're here. But when we're gone, we're gone. All right? Say amen, somebody. You can work your whole life to build up your bank account. But when that thing, uh, when, you've, when you've passed away, they're going to withdraw some money to pay for your funeral. And then the rest of it's going to go to somebody else. Say, uh-oh. You see, it's going to be in vain to have spent your whole life accumulating natural wealth and not accumulating any spiritual value. And then uh, when you and I leave this earth, we're leaving it all behind. I've preached many funerals, and you know that I've never seen a U-Haul follow the hearse. Every single time we buried that man or that woman in their own little box, nobody else got to go with them, thank you, Lord. And they didn't get to take anything else with them. Why? Because when it's over, it's over. What matters is spiritual things. And so we can build up in the natural, and God blesses us in the natural, Sam and somebody, but that's not ultimately our goal. Our goal is to see spiritual fruit. The Bible says this, that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, they who keep watch, keep watch in vain. You know what the Bible is saying there? It's saying if you wake up, if you stay up all night worrying about things and you don't give it to God, you're wasting your time. You might as well go to bed and sleep because it's in vain to stay up all night worrying about stuff that you can't control. It's in vain to lose your sleep and try to build a kingdom for yourself and try to defend that kingdom unless God does it, unless it has a spiritual value, unless it's the Lord's work, it's going to die with you in the end. And so Paul says our work and our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why? First of all, because it is in the Lord. Say, in the Lord. What I want you to see there is that we are working in the Lord's field. This is the Lord's vineyard. Estamos trabajando en el Señor. Esta es la labor del Señor. This is the Lord's vineyard. This is the Lord's field. And so the rules that govern this field are different than the rules that govern the other fields. Uh, la, las reglas que uh, controlan esta labor son distintas a las demás. We read in John chapter 4, verse 38, 
what the word of God says concerning this. I want you to look at it real quick. John 4, 38 tells us about God's field. And it reads like this. It says, uh, I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Say the field's not mine. You see, when you and I started working for the Lord, there was already some work that had been done before us. Somebody else already came in and did a lot of the work. You know, some of you uh, came to know Christ in this church, or you began to serve the Lord in this church, and, uh, and maybe I hope you'll be here a long time. But you realize that somebody was here a long time before you. Somebody, somebody came in here first and, and decided, you know what? We're going to build a house of God here. And we're going to establish the, the house of the Lord on this location. And then somebody else came by when that didn't work out. And they said, you know what? We're going to move our church from Alta Vista over here to 351. And uh, they came over with Pastor Ramos and established the work of the Lord right here. And they met down in the basement while up here was being the work was being done they were down there in the basement uh, worshiping the Lord on Sunday morning can I just tell you friend that this this field is not mine this field is not yours somebody was working before us and guess what somebody will be working after us if we are faithful to God so we've got to make sure that we get this job done so that the next generation can come in and pick up where we live off and, and you realize this is the Lord's field. And, you know, way before, before Monte Olivari got here, the field of the Lord was already at work. This is a 2,000-year-old project. God has been working in the saving of souls and the building up of his kingdom for a very long time. And you and I are just part, a little slice of the pie. And so when we sit there and we say, oh, it's just not worth it. It's just not in vain. What if Pastor Ramos had sat at, at Alta Vista and said, oh, it's not worth it to go to that new building over there on 351. And what if you and I sit in here real comfortable and say, you know what, it's not worth it to build a new church. It's not worth it to be a new, to build uh, something bigger. Come on, somebody. We're going to sit here and we're going to let, let time pass us by. No, we've got to decide. I've got to work the field that God has given me because it's not my field. It's the Lord's field. And you know what the verse says there? It says, you have entered into someone else's labor. You have received a reward from someone else's seed. You see, you and I came in to harvest the seed, to harvest the wheat, but someone had to plant it. Someone had to put that seed in the ground. And you and I have to put some seed in the ground so that somebody later can come and harvest that seed. I don't know if you're getting it this tonight, but, but God wants you to realize this. You're eating the bread that somebody else planted, but now you've got to plant some seeds so that the next generation can have some bread to eat where you ate. Come on, somebody. We are in the Lord's field, and this work is not in vain. The Bible said that one generation will declare the works of the Lord to the other. We have to declare God's works and God's word and God's work from one generation to the next. Now, the next thing I want you to notice is that it's not in vain because it's the Lord's field. But number two, it's not in vain because our work 
is known by the Lord. Say, God knows. Say it again. God knows. Do you know that God knows? Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, the Lord said to the church, he said, I know your labor. I know your works. En Apocalipsis 2, 2, el Señor le dice a la iglesia, yo conozco tu labor. Conozco tu trabajo. Now, this ought to get our attention. On the one hand, if, if your work is not, is not very quality work, that should scare you a little bit, that the Lord says, I know your work. But if your work is faithful and your work is quality work for the Lord, that should excite you that God knows God knows the seed you've sown. God knows the prayers you've prayed. God knows the time you've given. Come on, somebody. God knows the way that you have served him, the diligence of doing your work for him with excellence and with, uh, with a heart of grace. He says, I know. I understand. El dice, yo conozco. Yo entiendo. Yo he visto tu semilla. Yo he visto lo que has sembrado. That's why we read in the Psalms that the Bible says, as the psalmist cries out to God, he says, remember, make memory of my offering. He says to God, remember what I did for you. And God says, I know what you've done for me. But number three, he also is the one who remembers your work. Say, God remembers. You know, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, it says this, God is not unjust to forget your work or labor of love, which you have done for the saints and are still doing. Notice what God says there. He says, I am not unjust to forget. I will remember the work that you have done for me. I am a God who remembers? God has a good memory. Would you believe that? God has a good memory. He has carefully detailed accounts. And he remembers the things that you have done for him. And so he's going to reward you according to every one of those deeds. I first learned this verse when I was a youngster at youth camp. We were in Louisiana for a youth camp. And I walked in to uh, one of the buildings of the camp. And uh, they... It's where they had the recreation, and I walked up to the man at the counter, and I said, God bless you, sir. And I don't know what it was about that that uh, captivated his attention, but he said, he said, you know what the Bible says? It says that God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you are doing for the saints and are still doing. I said, I didn't do anything, but I did do something. I blessed him in the name of the Lord, and that is the work of the Lord. Come on, somebody. That is God's, that, even the smallest little thing. God says, I remember, and I'm going to bless it. God knows and God remembers. Now I want you to uh, think about a woman in the book of 2 Kings. The Bible tells us about the Shunammite woman. She, the scripture says, was a prominent woman. That means she was important. She was a woman of influence. She had some uh, influence with money. She had some influence with the community. And this woman was now on the road that the prophet Elisha would walk through, would pass by. Frequently, the prophet Elisha would travel through her community. 
en uh, segunda de reyes capítulo uh, 8 leemos de una mujer la mujer tsunamita uh, la cual ella vivía en una de las rutas que viajaba el profeta el eliseo and so when he would come by she would invite him in for dinner uh, preachers love to eat and uh, don't just laugh at that because you love to eat too say amen somebody But you know that preachers love to eat and preachers need to eat. All right. So uh, when you ever get a chance to feed a preacher, you should do that. All right. I'm not campaigning right now. I'm just letting you know that this woman made provisions for the prophet Elisha. Esta mujer hizo, hizo provisiones para el profeta Eliseo. And then the scripture says that she had a thought. She had an intention. Luego dice la escritura que ella tuvo un pensamiento, tuvo un, in, un interés y dijo, vamos a edificar un aposento alto encima de nuestra casa para que cuando pase el profeta por aquí pueda habitar ahí. So she said, I'm going to build an upper room. I'm going to put an addition on the house so that when the prophet comes through town, He'll have a place to stay. And she said, I'm going to put a bed in there. And I'm going to put a table in there and a chair in there. She set it all up. This was going to be, this was going to be state of the art hospitality. Esto iba a ser una, una hospitalidad muy generosa. And so the Bible says that from time to time, the prophet Elisha would come through there. And, uh, and he would stay in that room. And one day, Elisha staying in that room. Un día el profeta está uh, habitando ahí en ese cuarto and he's thinking about the woman because I told you God remembers and God knows and he said I, I wonder what we could do for this woman he asked his servant he said uh, go uh, and uh, he said just think about this woman what can we do for her she, he said well she's already pretty blessed and she's got a, some money and she's got some influence but what she doesn't have is she doesn't have a son So uh, he said, all right, call her in. And so she came. And the Bible said that she stood in the doorway. Why did she stand in the doorway? Because when you have a man of God who's single, you don't go in the room, all right? You just stay at the door. And uh, so she did that. And he said to her, he said, within one year, you're going to have a son. And she said, don't mess with me like that. Don't play with my feelings. Don't tell me something like that. I haven't been able to have a child in forever. He said, mark my words, in one year, you're going to have a son. And the Bible said that exactly as the prophet spoke, she had that son. And that boy started to grow up in her house. And she was seeing how God rewarded her life because of her intention to bless the man of God. But then the Bible said that one day he was out in the field with his dad. And he had a, he suffered a heat stroke, and he died. And that little boy died, whom God had given to that woman as a reward for her diligence and her work for the Lord. You know the story. The prophet Elijah, Elisha raised that little boy from the dead. You read a few chapters more, and this is what the Bible says. The Bible said that Elisha came to her, and he said, there is coming a famine on the land. It's going to be a seven-year famine. So get your family and leave Israel because you need to go to a place of safety. God's going to take care of you there. Now let me ask you a question. What happens when you don't work 
for seven years. What happens if you leave your house today and don't come back for seven years? Well, she left. The Bible says she went to the land of the Philistines. Now listen, seven years is just long enough for you to lose everything and to be forgotten. She went to the land of the Philistines, the enemies of Israel. And I imagine when she's living there with a low economic status as a foreigner in a foreign land that she must be thinking, it must be in vain to serve the Lord. Maybe she thought, I never should have invited that preacher to eat in my house. And I definitely shouldn't have built him a room. She might have thought it's in vain to serve the Lord. Look at me now. You see, if she judges her life by that, se that season, she's going to miss it. She's got to know God has a long-term plan. God, the Bible says, determines the end from the beginning. He can see the finish line from the start. And the Bible said that after seven years, she came back into the land of Israel. She had lost her home. She had lost her property. And she had to go before the king to try to get it back. Now, I told you that prayer can move people this morning, right? Well, she went into that, she went into that king's presence. And this is what's happening. While she's walking over to the palace, the Bible said the king was speaking to Elisha's servants. There are no accidents. Say, no accidents. There are no coincidences. And do you know what God put on the king's heart? He said to Gehazi, Elisha's servant, tell me about, uh, the king said, tell me about Elisha. Tell me some of the miracles. Tell me some of his preacher stories. And he said, well, you know, there was this, this one time when there was a woman whose son died. And Elisha took that little boy and he ran into the room that the woman had built above her house. She, Elisha put him on the bed and he closed the door and we don't really know what happened, but after a while that little boy was alive. And while they're having this conversation and the king is amazed by what, by what God did through the life of Elisha, they look up and there comes the woman and her son. And Gehazi says, look, that's the woman I'm telling you about, and that's the boy I'm telling you about. And when the king sees her, he realizes he's talking to a celebrity. He's talking to somebody that just, that just experienced, somebody that had an experience with God, an experience with this miracle, and her son who's been raised from the dead. And she says to him, sir, I've come to ask for my property and my house back. And this is what the king said. He said, you're going to get your house back. You're going to get your land back. And then I'm going to make sure that they pay you back all of the product of your land for the last seven years. But I didn't work the land the last seven years. Doesn't matter. You were obeying God. He says, I'm going to give you back every year that you lost. Come on, somebody. Because I'm preaching your testimony right now. I'm preaching your story right now. You see, God knows. And God remembers. 
And today he sent me here to tell you your work is not in vain. Your prayers are not in vain. Your fasting is not in vain. Your Bible study is not in vain. Your intercession is not in vain. The discipleship you're doing is not in vain. Teaching those little kids in the nursery is not in vain. Teaching those young people in the high school is not in vain. Come on, somebody. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Your work in the Lord is not in vain. So the Bible says, do not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap. Say, I will reap. Say it again, I will reap. One more time, make it legal. I will reap. He says, do not be weary in well-doing, because in due season you will reap if you faint not. Tell your neighbor, this is going to be worth it. Do you believe that? I don't know what this is. Only you know what this is. Only you know the devils you're fighting. Only you know the challenges you're facing. Only you know the tears you're crying. But tell your neighbor again, this is going to be worth it. Come on, this is going to be worth it. God is going to keep his word to me. Come on, somebody. God is going to make my work and my labor for him justified. If you believe that, stand to your feet tonight. And I want you to come into this altar. Like that Shunammite woman who went before the king to plead her cause. I want you to come before the altar of God today. And just plead your cause before the Lord. But I want you to come knowing that before you even arrive, he already has an answer for you. He's already pre-decided to bless you, to help you, to strengthen you, to heal you, to hear you. Your work is not in vain. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't give in. You say, Pastor, I've been out of the fight for a little while. Well, get back in the fight. God knows. God remembers. God rewards. This is the Lord's field. Nothing you do for God is ever wasted.